served in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found with the praise, honor, glory, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's loaded seven lines. Okay, excuse me for those who are sitting in the front. I need this off. I was born in centrally air-conditioned atmosphere, so this artificial thing, I don't like. So, resurrection stands in the middle of there. That's something which no religion has. The only religion, if you want to put it as a religion, that is Christianity, makes different is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the disciples struggled with the resurrection. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 11, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. In verse 14, Later, when he appeared to the eleven, as they sat at the table, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. What is that they did not believe? It's not his teachings. They did not believe he was risen from the dead. And he rebuked them for that. Okay, remember, he will rebuke us if you don't believe in the resurrection. He still rebukes us if you don't believe in the resurrection. In Luke 24, verse 9, okay, they come. They returned from the tomb, tomb and told all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. And what happens? Their word seems to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. The actual Greek word actually means, they thought these women were delirious. That's what it means. Okay, they're not the idle tale. Who are these? The disciples. Need to understand. They did not believe them. Okay? They did not believe them. They thought they were delirious. I mean, they say in Bengal, Mata Karab hai. Is something wrong with your head? Are you, were you out in the sun too long? Okay? Are you delirious? Risen from the dead? And these are not Gentiles. These are Jews who have a history of people being raised from the dead. Okay? People raised from the dead. It's part of the heritage. And they still refuse to believe. And we know in Luke 24, two of them go on a trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Our God is so good and so kind, he still seeks them and goes with them. Okay? And talks with them. In verse 21, he's talking to them. They do not know it is him. He's walking with them, talking to them. And this is what this is. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. What were they? Hoping. Okay. They were hoping. But now hope is gone. He's dead. Okay. 
because people who really hope don't leave down they are living down we had hoped i think kjb will say i think i'm not sure we had hoped okay hope is lost there's no hope those people who hope don't leave down okay they don't leave down so today we will look at hope okay do we have the hope of the resurrection okay listen carefully very very carefully in hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen the writer of hebrews brings two tick to things together and mixes them he puts faith and hope together if you have faith without hope you're the most miserable of human beings okay remember that we'll come to that faith and hope are brought together meaning it's so many like these are the lines of the, like a railway track they run together you cannot have one without the other you cannot have one without the other some great man said other men only see a hopeless end but the child of god sees endless hope okay if you look at everywhere that's why the panic about covid so covid is real people have been affected within the body of christ also but we are not people without hope we don't remember everything is a testimony everything is a testimony how you react to a pandemic matters i'm not saying your body will not be affected maybe maybe not god may restrict it from affecting your body or god may take you through this and bring you out but how you go through it matters because it's a test of your faith and your hope that's why these things all matter how do you react to situations because people in the world all they see is a hopeless end but the child of god sees endless hope somebody said as oxygen is to the lungs is hope to the soul when you cut that's why oxygen is short supply if you have less oxygen you slowly start dying and the soul that has no hope starts dying it starts drying up okay and genuine true faith cannot really exist without genuine hope when we were all born all of us when we were born right our babies are here we come with so much hope and we look at them with so much hope but as time progresses hope dies slowly even to the most successful person on earth he and she knows death is the end okay that's why the book of ecclesiastics is such a depressing book because that's the most successful man ever simply the most successful man people will talk about different different people but you pick take people successful people in any field and put them all together you get solomon you get solomon you find an area where he was not successful okay he was successful in everything and the most miserable man miserable man why because 
at the end of it is death. So if you want to rename the book of Ecclesiastic, you can write it also as the hopeless book. Okay. Until you come to the 12th chapter, towards the end. Last few lines. Turn with me to the book of Job. And we shall read chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Another man who went through a crisis. Okay, 14. Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. I mean, if you want to put it in, few days, many troubles. Okay, it is not many days and few troubles. It is few days and full of trouble. How does he come forth? Like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Okay, does not continue. We have to look into what God's word actually says about situations. And we need to be very, very clear. This is how the world and even godly men in the old covenant looked at life. Verses 7 to 12 is very interesting. For there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. And that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. But man dies and is laid away. What is saying? There is more hope for the tree than for the man. Man dies. You pour water, he doesn't come back. Okay. You can do whatever you want. Once he's dead, he's dead. Indeed, he breathes his last. And then he asks a question. Where is he? Where is he? Okay. As water disappears from the sea and the river becomes parched and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. They will not awake, nor be roused from their sleep. Verse 14. We ask a question. If a man dies, shall he live again? Is that a question? If a man dies, shall he live again? Verse 18 and 19. But as a mountain falls and crumbles away, as a rock is moved from its place, as waters wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil of the earth, so you destroy the hope of God destroys the hope of man. That is not what happened to Solomon. Hmm? Because why? Every man, like no, like it's Benjamin Franklin. It said two things are inevitable in life. What? Life. Yeah, but in India, taxes also can be avoided. <laughs> Half of India, ninety percent of India doesn't pay taxes. Okay, the ones who make money don't pay taxes. The ones who <laughs> work hard. And a salary, they pay taxes. Okay, so one thing is inevitable in India. Well, not two things. One thing is death. Death is inevitable. And into this picture comes our hero, the hero, heaven's hero, in disguise, of course, as the carpenter of Nazareth. In John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, he comes. It's very interesting. Jesus, I mean, I mean, it's very difficult to be a preacher like Jesus. Very difficult to be a preacher like Jesus. Because, let's see, <clears throat> if I think I have a great revelation, right? If you think, if I think I have a great uh, revelation, great revelation, 
What do I need? I need to reach maximum people. I want an audience. Because revelation is so deep. Who does he talk about worship to? Who does he talk about resurrection to? Martha. Two women. There's nobody around listening. And that's what the father tells him. Okay. To a Samaritan woman and to Martha. Even Mary hasn't come there yet, if I'm right. Mary will come only a little later. What is he saying? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Another question now. (laughs) Job's question is answered by Jesus. If a man dies, will he live? Jesus comes and answers a few thousand years later. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe in this? Why? He says, I am the resurrection. And the life. Like I said, resurrection changes the dynamics. Changes the dynamics. So in the portion we read in the beginning, the text for today, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter comes and says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to what? A living hope. That's the key. Is your hope living? The people in the Old Testament, even the great ones like Solomon or Job, uh, sounded hopeless often. But we have been begotten. We have been born again into a living hope. What does it mean? It's a hope that never dies. Hope that never dies. That's the title of today's message, Sammy. Hope that never dies. We have been born again. When we were born, we were born hopeless. When we were born again, we were born again into a living hope. A hope that never dies. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. How do you have a living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, so let's look closely today into this living hope. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. How were we born again? We were born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. We were born in the flesh through corruptible seed and we are born hopeless. We were born again by the incorruptible seed that is the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You take any seed, in its there complete the DNA of that plant, whatever it is. Everything is in that seed. Everything is in that seed. The whole blueprint of what it is going to be. So when God birthed us, he birthed us through his word. In it is there everything. Because the seed is incorruptible. Because the seed is everlasting. What the seed produces also is incorruptible. And it is everlasting. That's what the Bible is talking about. How were we born? Psalm 51, verse 5. I was 
brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Okay. When we are born of corruptible seed, we are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. But when we were born again of the incorruptible seed, we were born in righteousness and shaped in equity. Shaped in equity. The reverse. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We are born again in righteousness and shaped in equity. Okay? And that's how that seed will grow. Because in that seed is the entire DNA, the nature of the person. Remember on Resurrection Sunday, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 20. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You will say, I will see my grandfather when God says no. <laughs> Do you believe in the resurrection? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all been the most pitiable. What is he? He's just a good teacher who died. The other teachers did not die like him. That's why people look at Christ and they feel sorry. Buddha didn't like die like Christ, who was a good teacher. The founder of Jainism, he did not die. Mahavira did not die like Jesus. Muhammad did not die like Jesus. Moses did not die like Jesus. He died of an old age, 120 years. He was still strong, eyes, ears. No, everything was perfect. The only founder of a religion who died in his prime of his youth, such a terrible death, was Jesus Christ. So if only in this life you have hope in Christ, meaning I am following the teachings of Jesus Christ, you are the most miserable. <laughs> Look at your teacher. Look at your teacher. But now Christ is risen from the dead. That's the key. What makes him different from all the others? He's risen from the dead. And it's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Because he's risen from the dead, you also know if you believe in him, you will rise from the dead. So everything is caught in the resurrection. Okay? So please remember, when the unbeliever dies, death destroys him. When the believer dies, he destroys death. It's the all original statement, patented, okay? When the unbeliever dies, death destroys him. When the believer dies, he destroys death. Death has no power over him. Okay. When the unbeliever dies, death grabs him and takes him. He's gone. When the believer dies, he defeats death. Death has no more hold over him. He cannot hold him. Okay. That's what Bible says about Jesus. He took captivity captive. What was captivity? Death held everybody. What did he do? He took death captive. Broke its jaws, took everybody and released them and took them with him. So now Paul says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So understand what resurrection does. So if you are born without being born again, okay, understand. One of the questions you need to ask is, why is Solomon so pessimistic? <laughs> no, so pessimistic. Okay, so pessimistic because he's actually looking back and looking at how he wasted his life. Wasted his life. The truth. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. 
Remember, you're creator when you are young. After the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. When the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, strong men bow down, when grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of the height and of the terrors of the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire falls. For a man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. What is he talking? He's saying, when you are young, the best time to know your God. You see, when I was young, and all of us of us know when you were young. I know when I was young, a long time ago. Okay, when I was young, one thing I look back and you see, my body was faster than my mind. <laughs> my body was faster than my mind. Okay, now I am old. I realize my mind is faster than my body. That's why sportsmen retire. It's not that the mind has slowed down; the body has slowed down body has slowed down. And it's very difficult for people to accept the fact, you know what, my mind, my body is not cooperating with my mind. You are aging. What does it mean? Something is coming closer and closer and closer. No? And you know what, if you do not know God, really, really know God and enjoy God, you no longer start enjoying life. Let me tell you about personally about me. I'm one of these crazy guys who loves railways. Loves trains. Like, I love trains. But the problem is in my head. Now every time I travel in the train, my body aches. <laughs> it doesn't matter what class I travel in. I travel first AC also when I come, I am tired. Earlier days when I was young, 72 hours non-stop in the train, I still don't want to get off. In my mind, my wife knows. In my mind, she's sitting here reading a Bible. Here I am watching Amtrak. I'm watching the Chinese one, the Japanese one, the bullet train. Every train that is run in this world, I know them through YouTube. Even now, even till last night. You see? But in your body, you know, this ain't going anywhere. <laughs> You're going nowhere. And Solomon is trying to tell us something. Okay, He's trying to teach us something. You know, If our hope is in this material world, it is dying. It is dying. It is dying. Okay. I mean, that is why we have to be very, very careful about these things. That's why the people, the Bible says, let your heart be established with grace and not with foods. With foods. Okay. And my grandfather was there and he was absolutely 
particular about what he ate. He, they never ate meat. They ate only fish. They didn't eat as far as possible sea fish, only freshwater fish. You couldn't cook in the pressure cooker. They wouldn't eat it. When pressure cooker was brought, it was food was cooked for the cows, and it had to be the fireplace. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when gas was brought, they wouldn't eat what was cooked in the gas. It was for the cows, and they ate in the fireplace. <laughs> when the fridge was bought, if you kept anything out of the first question, is it from the fridge or was it cooked today? Okay. Very particular about what they ate. Never drank, not even tea. I think once coffee. Never drank water. It was always hot water, not hot water, the, the whatever you drain from the rice when it is being made. Very healthy, yeah, that water. Very healthy, never fell ill and everything. And then his wife died, my grandmother died, and he was bedridden. When he was bedridden, he started losing his memory. Now he eats his breakfast, and after half an hour later, he says, you have not fed me. <laughs> you have not fed me. Okay, it didn't matter now what you fed him. After lunch, 20 minutes later, he says, you are starving me. Okay, we need to understand. You look at people, you actually look at people. You know what happened? Your heart was not established by grace. The food here doesn't mean eating and drinking, the things of the world. Let your heart be established by grace. Established by grace. Otherwise, what will happen? You will have a hope which is dying. Yet you have no control to control it. Solomon is the one who explored everything. He's a miserable wreck in his old age. He says, you know what? I shouldn't have gone this way. And he's telling to all the people, your creator, know your creator, serve your creator when you are young. You know, they could say that in the old covenant. But it is a privilege to us in the new covenant that we are born again. They didn't have that privilege. To a living hope. Living hope. So it does not matter what you have amassed. Your body is deteriorating. Understand that. Your body is deteriorating. You could be the richest man in the world. But what can you do? Your body is going down the drain. Right? After some time, does your, you may be living in a mansion. Doesn't make a difference. You can buy anything the world offers, but does it make a difference? Why do celebrities and rich people commit suicide? Because they have no living hope. No living hope. Their hope is dead. God is trying to tell us something over here. The power of resurrection, what resurrection, the dynamics of resurrection, what it does to man or a woman or a child who believes. So if you come back to First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten me. So how did you? Through that incorruptible seed, that is the word of God, through Christ himself, through his spirit, through the spoken word. When you believe, we were born again inside to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is the living hope? To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Like I said, Solomon has got everything and he enjoys nothing. 
Why is he not enjoying anything? Because to enjoy anything in this world, you need a body. But the body is deteriorating. It's just falling apart. Falling apart. Okay. On the other hand, those who have been born to a living hope, God says, you know what? You got inheritance up there. Incorruptible. Undefiled. It will never fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. You know what? When you go over there, everything that you need for eternity is there and you will give a body to match it. A body that never dies. A body that never deteriorates. Okay? Body that will never ever deteriorates. So the child of God lives in a living hope. Our hope is not dead. It's a real, real hope. Okay? <coughs> there is an everlasting life. There is an everlasting inheritance. John 3.60, most famous line in the Bible, everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. There is something called everlasting life. A life that is not cut off by death. You know, when we marry a couple, two people, what do we say? Until little death. You look at anything in this world, when death comes, it's gone. So only unto death. <laughs> Even if you have a child, it's only unto death. You are all the child's Your job. <laughs> Is this retirement or death? Hmm? You buy a car, either the car dies or you die. <laughs> Only thing in India, cars live longer. Because we'll adjust and adjust and adjust and adjust. You know? We call it, we have an Indian word. Somebody said in Europe, somebody from UK came to India and said the most important word in the Indian language is called Jugad. <laughs> so there is an everlasting life. You and I were born in sin and born to sin. Born to sin and born to sin. But we were born again in righteousness to overcome sin. 1 John 3, 9. Whoever has been born of sin does not, born of God does not sin. Why? Because his seeds, incorruptible seed. You're born again out of a perishable but incorruptible seed. His seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he has been born of God. Okay? God is changing the dynamics. You have been born again. God has begotten us to a living hope. Like I said, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, destined to die. Born again in righteousness, shaped in iniquity, destined to live forever. It's an everlasting life. Okay, there are two lives. Temporary life and everlasting life. In temporary life, there is a pursuit of knowledge. Daniel 12.4 You Daniel, you Daniel, shut up the books, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. What is the problem with the man who does not know God? He is pursuing knowledge of creation. What is the difference with the man who knows God? He is in the pursuit of the creator. Okay. One is pursuing creation. That's why sending space rover and this rover and that rover, wasting millions. Okay. What are they pursuing? 
creation right creation what is a man of god pursue creator john 17 verse 3 this is eternal life okay eternal life that they may know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent so we need to realize you know that's where we have to see if our hope is real it's living we need to understand what am i pursuing am i pursuing creation or am i pursuing the creator it will show you our directions that we take okay direction that we that's why the ancient uh, not in the old days scientists the godly ones the god fearing ones were different when they were in their labs they were not perceiving creation they were looking for god to reveal creation to them they were godly god fearing not today today they are all atheists they are atheists okay all times you did not have edison and uh, uh, madam curie and all. they were not <laughs> none of them were atheists they were all god fearing men and women okay so you see the difference so we have been born again begotten to an everlasting life it's a living hope it's not a dead hope everlasting life we are not only born again to an everlasting life we are also born again to an eternal hope these are all part of hope john chapter 14 verses 1 to 4 there is a place called home let your heart let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions you see you have to really think okay how did for 2000 years the saints suffer their homes were taken away they never prospered okay but they were not bothered they were not bothered because they actually lived in the reality you know what i got a home like let like, temporarily let's think about it worst case i also think worst case scenario pandemic worst case scenario everything is shut down lockdown all kind of things happen nothing happened and all this thing at the end of the day i still got a house in kerala <laughs> enough land enough water you can manage manage all you need to do is use a spade cultivate something you can live you got something always think no i have a home i'm not a landlord won't chuck me out it's your own home no? but but that's how you spiritually live in this world you know what i have a home i have a home because he said so it's real it's real when people retire they either buy a home or they go back home go back home but this is real god says you know what in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you to myself and where i am there you may be also and where i go you know in the way you know so there is eternal home there's a place called home there's everlasting life and there's an everlasting home that home will never break down there will be no cracks nothing there will be no seepage when rains come nothing it's an everlasting home it's not only that it's the most beautiful place you can think of revelation 21 verses 22 25 but i saw no temple in it for the lord god almighty and the lamb are its temple the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine it you will never pray some one day sun shall not smite me by day or the moon there is no sun or moon to smite you don't worry about it 
there will be no occult and sorcery and all kind of things and lunar and lunatics and all. Nothing will be there. <laughs> Nobody will be freeze to death during winter or have a heat stroke in summer. Nothing. The city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into its its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. Okay, no night. The children are afraid of the dark. The children are always afraid of the dark. You know? I mean, even adults are afraid of the dark. I know many adults are afraid of spiders and one lizard and then dark. <laughs> There is no fear there. <laughs> no fear. <laughs> and no, you don't have to worry about anybody stealing. <laughs> Why? Its gates shall not be shut at all by. What does it mean? No theft, no crime. Wouldn't you want to live in a place like that? You see, <clears throat> when I grew up in that beautiful, that's why I love that country. Okay, I love that country. It is the closest to heaven if you look in ambience. Honestly, was, not now. Now, after civilization came in, the people have changed. But when I grew up, all the years I grew up there, I never heard a crime. I never saw a cop. It was unknown. You didn't have to lock your doors. You didn't have to lock your doors. Think about a time like that. No crime, no sin, no heat, no freezing winter. Okay. Most beautiful place you could ever think of. Why? Because Colossians 3, 1 says, if you are raised up with Christ, seek those things which are above. Meaning what? You should actually start thinking. There's a place called home. You should start thinking about it. And you can. Scripture says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I actually have asked the Lord. I always say, Lord, you give me a home over there. I want it by the mountains and by the riverside. I want it there. What I gave up here, I will get there. I have lived in this, lived this terrible, terrible, stony, white, dusty city for donkey's years. Imagine, this is 2021. I came here in 1991. And I have hung in here though I dislike this city. Intensely, not the people, don't get me wrong. Okay, not the people. There's the people and the city. I dislike the city. That's why I always say I like ACR because he is finally turning this state green. I remember the first time I came in June the 5th, I came to Hyderabad because 6th was my IFLO entrance. I came in that train. With huffing and puffing, huffing and puffing, the train came and I was wondering why he's huffing and puffing and I asked the TT, he said, these people are all coming for the fish medicine, these are all asthma patients, you are the only one who's not a patient. <laughs> the train was huffing, the people are huffing and puffing, but they're all asthma patients. Then I come over, I am looking out of the window, it just rocks and height of summer, everything is brown, you know what? I said, I will write my entrance and flee from this place. In that entire crowd who all came from all over India to write the entrance in Iflu, Hyderabad, I was the only candidate who opted for Shillong if I got through. I didn't want to be here. It's a campus in Shillong, back in the mountains. Okay. Last minute I changed my mind and said to the dean, can I be in? 
I want to opt for Hyderabad. He said, okay. And that's why you, you have me. <laughs> 20 years, right? 20 years, right? 20 years in this miserable... 30, yeah, 30 years in this miserable city. <laughs> so you have this desire. You desire, okay? Lord, my home is not going to be in a rocky place, a dusty place. There are no such place in heaven. It is going to be the place what I desire. You know what the Bible says? There is no place like heaven. No place like heaven. It's a real place. With streets, with mansions, with trees, with rivers, and above all with people. Lots and lots of people. And they're not neighbors. They are your family. And you have a father there. In Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, you have to think on these things, otherwise your hope will not be living. Hope won't be living. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Hallelujah. Then I saw John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. What will God do? God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for former things have passed away. This is real. This is real. You meditate upon these things. This is real. Whenever you feel depressed, read Revelation 21 and 22. Over and over and over, read this. You know what? There's a place called home. It's a place called home. You have an everlasting life. And you have an everlasting home. It's a living hope. It's a living hope. Okay, don't get your mind rooted on this. That's why the ancient saints used to sing. How is that song, Peter? I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Do Lord or do Lord, do remember me. Do Lord or do Lord, do remember me. I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Right? Do Lord or do Lord, do remember me. And God says, I remember you. I remember you. I'm preparing a place for you. Keep your mind on things that are above. Keep your mind fixed. Then your hope is living. Hope is living. You know, hope is living. It is not like in this world. It is not like in this world. In this world, what happens is, let me tell you, even if you get a green card, okay, and go to US. When you go to US, you will realize you are a misfit there for a long time. You are a misfit there. Because let us understand, all around the world, there is racism. Okay. Wherever you go, you don't really fit in. That's why you fit in. You see, when I used to travel in those old days, there was this train called, uh, that was before Kanyagumari Express from Srinagar to Kanyagumari started. The longest train was the one which started from Dibrugar and went all the way to Tivandrum. Okay, so longest. And I used to travel in that. Assam, Bihar, Bengal, Orissa, Andhra, Tamil Nadu, and the last is Kerala. 
packed with mallows. Packed with mallows. Army guys, all packed with mallows. You go through all the states and finally you cross Coimbatore and before you reach Kerala, you have to go through a tunnel. Scenery changes immediately. This is brown, that is green. You have to see the people who haven't gone home for a year, two years, three years. Everybody's by the door hanging. As it crosses a tunnel, they start screaming. Home, 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 home. And there's a song in Malayalam. They start singing. In the land of coconuts, I've got a plot of land. I'm going home. I'm going home. This was the entire hope of the old covenant. They were the only people with the hope. They were given a land. It's your promised land. But it's a temporary hope. You need to realize where there is no hope, people just die. People just die. And we have been birthed into a living hope. I got a father. I got a home. And I got a life that is everlasting. And I got a home that is eternal. And I got a home that outshines the sun. And you know what is the name of my place? It is not Kerala. It is glory land. The land of glory. For them it was promised land. For us it is glory land. And God says, think about those things. Suddenly you look at the pandemic and everything differently. You know, I don't care. I don't care. If I live, I will declare the works of the Lord. If I die, it's gay. I'm going home. That's how Paul lived. For me to live or die is gay. If I live, I serve him here. If I die, I go home. This is what the Bible Peter is talking about. We have been birthed, begotten into a living hope. And our hope has to be living. And we have inheritance there. It's incorruptible, undefiled, which will never fade away. Never fade away. You know, our, all our clothes fade away. All our things fade away. You know, our cards fade away. Whatever you have had it, it all slowly fades away. But your inheritance over there, you know, you don't have to repaint your house in heaven. You don't have to keep changing your furniture. It never fades. It's eternal. It's eternal. It never fades. Rats don't get in. Moths don't get in. Rust doesn't. Jesus said all this. I didn't say that. Moth doesn't get in. Rust doesn't get in. It's incorruptible. It's incorruptible. And think about it. Think about it. Only people who understand maintenance will realize how much trouble-free it is. <laughs> you buy a product and after all, the rest of your life is maintaining it. You see, in heaven there are no weeds. There are no tears. There is no breakdown. Okay. Think about it. You know? What a life. Like I said, when you go to heaven, Unlike in any, it doesn't matter which country you go, you are a misfit. All these fights we are seeing everything around in US and all, US is the land of dreams. Okay, for everybody, still it's the land of dreams. Why do you see all these slogans and all these protests? It's what about that? Racism, gender equality, all kind of things. But it doesn't matter what many, how many laws are passed. The heart of man does not change. Ask our um, brothers from Africa over there. Isn't there racism in Africa? <laughs> you go to Nigeria, one guy from Ghana comes over there. No, you are not Nigerian. You are darker than me. <laughs> Isn't it true? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. 
You go to Europe and all this. This is Caucasian, this is Hispanic. They the Hispanic may be whiter than the Caucasian, still you are Hispanic, I am Caucasian. White Anglo Saxon. <laughs> white Anglo Saxon Protestant. You are a white Anglo Saxon Catholic. Everywhere you will see all these problems are there. But when you come to the kingdom of God, heaven no Galatians three, twenty five, twenty six. After faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go further down till the end. Yeah. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Look there. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor Female, for you are all one. There is no racism, there is no caste, there is no class warfare, there is no gender struggle, nothing there. One sound you will never hear in heaven is Ingulab Sindhavad. You will never hear that. Lal Salam. If you say Lal Salam there, it is connected with the blood of Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else. You see, there is a world we are going into. There is no racism. There is no casteism. There is no class warfare. There is no gender struggle. There is nothing we are fighting. Why do people fight for it? Because there is still in their mind there is a dream and a desire. We call it utopia. A classless, a raceless, casteless, where everybody is equal. You know what? That's called heaven. It's not on earth. Man cannot create it. God makes it. And he has begotten us into a living hope. When you are in heaven, you won't be worried whether you are tall or short, fat or thin. You see, everything is gone. Everything is gone. Look at the things we worry about, complexion. Everything is gone. You know why? Because you are Christ. And you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs according to the promise. So we move from hopelessness to full of hope. That's what the resurrection does. Like I said, body and mind are deteriorating. And that's our struggle. Body is deteriorating. Right? Remember uh, Cyril Priest a few years back that our body when God created us, he had wired us for pleasure. But that's who God is. They wired us for pleasure. The problem is, the wiring hasn't changed. But the body is changing. Body is changing. The wiring is still there. We are wired for pleasure. That is why when you are 92, also you want to eat. But when you eat, there is no satisfaction. First, there is no teeth. <laughs> yeah, the guy does not give <laughs> okay. It's like the pastor said, some of you think you will make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth, but some of you have no teeth. <laughs> some of you have no teeth. Okay. The mind still wants to go shopping and buy this dress, but when you wear it, your body <laughs> 
mean, it's like dressing a scarecrow. <laughs> All he can do wearing it is stand in a field and chase the crows away. <laughs> but the mind, mind hasn't changed. Body is deteriorating. Body is deteriorating. You see, you were wired for pleasure. What did sin do? What did sin do? It destroyed it. Sin destroyed it. That's why you take anything. I'm not talking about humans. I'm not talking about animals. Animals are not wired like that. Animals eat only when they are hungry. Humans eat all the time because there is pleasure for them in eating. A lion will eat and maybe don't eat for a few weeks. He will go one, he will kill a deer, he will eat, come back and eat, come back and eat, and after that he doesn't eat. And then that's why you can see a lion lying over there and deer walking past and drinking the water. He doesn't kill it because he's full. But not us. We can have a meal at 10 o'clock and then if we smell something, we go there, take a bite of that also. At 11.30 we take another bite. You know why we are wired for pleasure? Wired for pleasure, whether it is food or drink. Or work. Work. Humans are the only ones who will work and work and work and work. I'm talking about workaholics because they find pleasure in it. Animals don't work like that. Or sex. Animals mate only during their season. Humans meet all the time. <laughs> Have you noticed? No, that is the way we were created. Wired for pleasure. But when the body starts deteriorating, it's in your head. It's in your head. You don't enjoy it anymore. You know why? The consequences of sin, of falling. But you know what? The God who made us has not changed. He's still the same. He has not changed at all. So Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Know what he's saying? Resurrection is the way to life. What kind of a life? Life without sin, without guilt, without fear, without condemnation, without shame, without any of these things. So that's the difference. Here it doesn't matter what pleasure you have. It is short-lived and along with comes other things. All you have at the end of the day is a hangover. But God says, I am showing you a way of life. You're going into what? Fullness of joy. And there are pleasure evermore. I haven't changed. I'm still the same God. Eyes haven't seen or ears heard what he's preparing for people who love him. If you enjoy a cup of coffee, coffee in heaven will be different for those who say, <laughs> coffee in heaven will be different. I'm just, I'm not sure, but if you enjoyed coffee, when you reach heaven, you won't want coffee. You want one coffee. When you look at what heaven offers, I mean, if you were somebody who had doing something on earth for pleasure's sake, it will look like nothing of what is offered there in heaven. That's what God is talking about. I made you that way. I made you that way. Right? Not only that, he gives you 
a new body. New body. The body that doesn't wear out. The body in which there is no sin. In which there is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. A new body. A resurrected body. A new body for an inheritance in heaven. Incorruptible, undefiled. And this was the groaning of the saints. What is the groaning of the saints in the Bible? Just, can I get out of this body, please? Can I get out of this body? And you know what? The whole of creation itself is groaning because they know they can't be redeemed until we we get our body. When we get our body, they get their body. So they are all waiting, looking at the church upon us. When will you? When will you? When you are ready, God will change us. But until you are ready, he won't do anything. Whole of creation, the Bible says, is groaning. Okay. That's why we need to realize how God has made us. Where there is no hope, people quit. Okay. Let's look at the simple example. Yesterday, the royal consort, the king, queen's husband, Prince Philip, was buried. Rest in peace, we they say. We're resting in pieces. Okay. God alone knows where he is reached. And I'm not ashamed to say that on public because they're grandmaster of the Lord. So where do these people go? They themselves do not know. Okay, so he was put to death. Sorry, he put to rest. <laughs> he was put to rest. Okay, they will rise. R.I.P. Okay, rest in peace. R.I.P. is only for God's genuine born again people. For the others, R.I.P. means rise if possible. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you can nail you down nicely, rise if possible. Okay, so he is, okay. Now the thing is that we know Prince Harry left everything, went to Netflix, okay, left Buckingham Palace, he left his, this thing, went to Netflix, why? Because there is no hope. Grandmother is sitting over there, refuses to die, refuses to get off the throat, she's in her (laughs) 90s. His father, by the time he probably ascends the throne, may need a walker. Okay, the second in line is his father. And then after that is his brother William. He said, okay, one, father, two, brother, okay, I am three. Then some brother got married, had a son, and had a second son. So he is looking at a fifth in the line, impossible, let me go to Hollywood. No hope there. No hope. Harry has no hope. So he left. Went to England, you, you, this thing to US, and he wants to act now in Netflix. But we have a hope, we are called to reign. We are not in line of succession. There's space for everybody in the throne. Everybody in the throne. If you overcome as I overcame and sat with my father on the throne, you shall reign with me. It's a living hope. It's a living hope. And that's what the Bible says in Revelation. The kings of the earth brought their glory. Who are these kings? The sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God, designated, you are in charge, here, 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 you rule on my behalf. We don't know how big God's universe is. Nobody has any clue. Pastor Vijay thought about royal civil service. Yes, that is it. Okay. You get a government of India, uh, you get uh, IGS. Indian government service. Okay. But if you look at the British one, it is HMS, Her Majesty's Service. HMS. 
majesty's service. And it's not, it is his majesty's service. These are serious things. So that's why God says, dwell on these things. This is real. You're going home. Your father is a king. He's got a huge, huge universe as his empire. You've got an everlasting home. Fix your mind on these things. You know why? Because your hope is living. If you go then to verse 5. Yeah, yeah, hospital. <coughs> we have a, we have an inheritance there. And how are we kept? By the power of God. Through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How are we kept? By the power of God. But how do you access the power of God? By faith. So you see, faith comes over there. A living hope. And you are kept in that living hope by the power of God. The only way you and I can access the power of God is through faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's why the Bible comes back to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Walk by faith and not by sight. Live by faith. It comes over and over and over and over. Okay, That's how these two, two things come. But practically, what does it mean? What does it mean practically? We need to look at it. Like I said, true faith is directly connected with the living hope. Directly connected with the living hope. That's why we looked at 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 19. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable, the most miserable. Why? Because true faith and living hope are conjoined twins. They go together. Are you getting it? If your hope is living, then you live by faith. You start making choices in this life because your hope is living. If your hope is living, then your faith is real. If your faith is real, your hope is living. On the other hand, if your faith is only in this life, yes, Lord, I want healing. Lord, I want money. Lord, I want the house. God says, yeah, you can use faith for that too. God is saying you should not, he's not saying you should not use. But if your faith is being applied only to the temporary and not to the eternal, then your hope is not living. You're the most miserable actually. You, meaning you will be the most miserable person one day when glory is revealed. Okay. Because true faith looks into eternity and starts making choices. That is where faith comes in. That's where faith comes. Okay, And if you put 5 and 6 together, verse 5 and 6 together, what happens to this faith? In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. When you're going through walking by faith, you will go through trials and sufferings and fiery trials. But you have a living hope. You have an incorruptible inheritance. You keep your mind over there. You go through this walk of faith because your hope is living. It's not a dead hope. You are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. What should you rejoice in? You are rejoicing in what is coming. You rejoice in that. Well, on earth, you will need be, if need be, you will be grieved by various trials. Though you are being grieved by day-to-day situations because of faith, you rejoice greatly because you know what? I got a living hope. I know where I am going. I know where I am going. 
Okay. This is not talking about the normal man's problems in the life. We are talking about the trials of faith. There is grief. There are two things mentioned over there. There is grief and there are trials. Are you getting it? Meaning when you walk by faith, when you make your choices of faith on earth because your hope is living, you will be misunderstood. In so many ways you will be a misfit. You will be a misfit. You will be mocked. You will be scoffed. You may be persecuted. So you will go through trials. You will go through grief. Even in your own home, or your community, in your nation. But you rejoice in this. Because you've got a living hope. Living hope. You know? That's what happened to Abel. Why was Abel killed? Was Abel killed? Because he offered a lamb? No. Because he offered it by faith. Faith killed him. But the man who was walking by sight was so angry. Okay, And we talk about, you know, walked for 300 years with God. Where? Where? On earth. You know what it means? He was the most lonely man on earth. Because nobody, he was the only one taken alone. What does it mean? He could not find another person who was interested in God on earth. On earth, the most lonely man. Life for loneliness for 300 years because there is nobody who is interested or who can understand your fellowship with God. Misunderstood, forsaken on earth, but taken by God. That's it. The grief and the trials of faith. But what is your hope? A living hope. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Not only that, there is a person, my father, Abba Father. I shall live with him, I shall dwell with him, and he will wipe away every tear, every sorrow, every pain. I am going home, a place called home. And a lot of people don't have that picture in their mind because their homes on earth are not happy places. So they are miserable. But home, heaven is a happy place, full of joy. Think about Noah, scoffers and mockers. Hundred years or more or whatever he took, nobody believed. What about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Trial of faith. I love that verse, Hebrews 11, 9 and 10. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents. Can I have ten also? With Isaac and Jacob, <coughs> the heirs with him of the same promise. Where is he living? In tents. In tents. No. In tents. In the land of promise as a what? As an alien. He's living in the land of promise as an alien, as a stranger, as a pilgrim. Why? What is he waiting for? Look at verse 10. He's got a living hope. For he waited for the city which was foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He's got a friend, local friend. He's Gentile. If you call, if you call, will say, Abraham, are you again moving? Yeah. Are you not building a house? When are you going to settle down? I'm not settling down. Why are you not settling down? Because my God said, you need to keep moving. Your God said moving, but all are settling down. And what is the point, man? You will die one day. When will you settle down? One day I will settle down. I got a city whose foundations are of old, whose maker is God. I got a living hope. I got a living hope. Okay? So people of faith have been asked to take Many tough decisions by God. Individually it may be different. But they rejoice even as they go through trials and grief. They rejoice exceedingly because they know they got an everlasting place. It is a place. 
Romans 8 and verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And the next one. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Why? We look at this, wow, look at Paul. How could he handle all this? You know why? Because his mind was focused. Be bitten by one mosquito, we call it trial. Lizard is about tribulation. It is not just that Paul went through this. The reason he could go through is he was absolutely focused on where he was going. Therefore, it didn't matter. And God says, you can do the same thing. And if he believed, and it is what he believed is true, what you believe is also true. I got You got a place for me. I got a place for you. And it's forever and ever. Nothing is going to touch you there. This is temporary. That is forever and ever permanent. It's no comparison. Hmm? What does it mean? One man of God said, it means when you go through the trials of faith, wear on the spectacles of heaven. No? You know, when you went, when you used to go for this, you know, have you gone into these places where they have this 4D, but you have to put on the thing and the headphones. Suddenly you are transported. No, when I was, I think in one of those places where you went to that, this thing where you are give, you can shoot the cowboy thing and I missed the target. In that four of this thing, no? you will sit on the horse, the horse, you put all that against for you. You came from somewhere, you got into this small theater, and now you are in virtual reality. And you are suddenly, you are a cowboy on the horse, and you are shooting everything. Fifteen minutes later, they have taken your money and take you out. <laughs> but God said, that's how you need to live. Your reality is heaven. It's not earth. This is temporary. On earth, when you go to a 4D theater, that is temporary. <laughs> 15 minutes, $50, get out. But that is eternal and it is free. You don't have to pay for that. It is paid for. Reserved for you in heaven. Here, if you have to come to church, you have to book one week in advance. The seats are few. There, God has booked everybody's seat. Paid. Imagine a theater with thousand people capacity. First show. And one millionaire goes in and buys all the seats. And everybody is standing, no, household, household, but we don't see it. You know, one man came and bought all the tickets. That's what God did. Paid for all. All seats reserved. And we're still thinking about the drama on earth. God says, keep your eyes fixed. Hebrews 6 and verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. It's an anchor of the soul. It's not hopeless. Full of hope. What is anchor? Anchor is the one that makes a ship steady, especially when there is stormy seas. You let down the anchor. And once the anchor goes in, in the stormy, the ship becomes steady. And he says, this is the anchor of your soul. And I told you yesterday that in the new covenant, the holy place and the most holy place has become one. has been made into one. The curtain has been taken. Because he's writing the Hebrews, he's still using their illustration. But for us, we know there is no veil. 
Okay. So you have entered into that presence. And that's the anger of your soul. My hope is living. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. It's a real hope. It's a real, real living hope. You know? Imagine how much we hope in this world and we lose and we get depressed and discouraged. Honestly, right? Everybody, when we started, we had so many hopes. And slowly, first hope, then L came, then E came, then S came. Finally, we ended hopeless. But here, it is a completely different thing. It's a living hope. It's a living hope. Word 7. That Why do we go through these grief and trials? Why does God put us through this? So the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found. Even gold, if you put into fire, will perish. The fire is really, 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 even gold will go. It will go, it will disappear. But he says, your faith is more precious than that. Why is faith more precious than that? My walk of faith will prove my hope is living. My walk of faith will prove my faith is living. If you looked at Joseph for the 13 years in prison and as a slave, you looked at him, you will realize his faith is real. Why? Because his hope is real. God told me, you will reign. You will reign. How would you know this man will reign? Because you looked at his life. It is a walk of faith. That is why the walk of faith is so important because walk of faith on earth, which is my temporal reality in which I live, is the proof my hope is living. If my faith isn't there, my hope is false. That's why a lot of people, it is false hope. Why is it false hope? Because you look at their life, there is no faith. Oh, but when I die, I'm going to God says, where did you get this hope from? Your hope is not based on reality. If your reality on earth is faith, then your hope is living in heaven. You do have an inheritance. So what, what does God do? God tests our faith so that our hope can be living. Our faith has to be tested. Our hope doesn't have to be tested. Hope is in the future. Our faith has to be tested. And when you are being tested, God says rejoice. You to be fiery, there is grief, but you rejoice. Why? Because you have an inheritance reserved for you in heaven. Nobody can touch it. It becomes. The one thing I will tell you. <coughs> Faith is now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hope comes from experience of walking in faith. As you continue to walk in faith, your hope grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. To come to a point like Apostle Paul, you can say, you know what? I'm not seeing heaven. I'm seeing heaven and my crown. A living hope. I see my crown. The crown of righteousness. Faith becomes your reality. And your hope is living. You're able to see. That's what he's talking about. Everything changes. Like I said, faith is now. Hope is future. Yet they are connected. You cannot have one without the other. If I don't walk by faith today, then you know what? I will be depressed. I'll be discouraged. That's why the Old Testament people were all discouraged. Even John the Baptist, the greatest, got so discouraged. Judas betrayed Jesus because he was caught in the temple. And Demas for some time ran and then he got temporal, went to the world and left and Why do people get depressed and discouraged in Christendom? Because they take their eyes off. Because suddenly their hope 
goes into the temporal and when it is not satisfied, they get depressed, discouraged. While our hope is in the eternal and it is living, it is real. That is why you cannot detach faith from hope. It has to go together. Why do you seek righteousness? God says these things, right? Why do you live by faith? Because anything that is not a faith is sin. Live by faith. You are not living by faith to go to heaven. You are living by faith to live in heaven. Going is already settled. It's already settled to live in heaven. Why do you seek righteousness? Because Hebrews 11, 1, uh, 1, 8 says, the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. You are not seeking righteousness. You have to get your, you can get, you have to get your heart right, your mind right. You are not seeking righteousness for righteousness sake. You are seeking right, like, let us say, mm, who is there? Everybody here is English speaking. Okay, let us say, uh, Peter, is going to, let us say, for a five-year PhD to Russia. The course is offered in Russian. What will he do the first year? Learn Russian. That's what they do. They study Russian. Why? Because you're going to Russia. Why do you seek righteousness? Because you're going to a place where the scepter of the king is righteousness. That's it. You're not seeking righteousness for this world's sake. You're seeking righteousness because you're immigrating. You're immigrating. That place is completely righteous. So you know what? By faith you are seeking righteous and nobody is righteous here. Nobody cares about righteous here like Noah and you know. Nobody is bothered but you're still seeking righteous because you know you are an alien and you're immigrating there because your citizenship is of heaven. So be very careful. That's why God says seek ye first the kingdom of God and the righteousness. He puts it together. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of righteousness. This world is full of unrighteousness but you still seek righteousness because you know you're an alien there. You're immigrating. Immigrating. Okay. We have to get these things right. Otherwise we will write, we, oh, what's the point in seeking righteousness? Everybody is unrighteous and nobody is coming. It doesn't matter what everybody, they are not immigrating. You are immigrating. Right? Imagine Peter has to go and he's going from India to Russia and there is a institute here offering Russian, uh, Iflu offers, and he's the only student. Because nobody else is going to Russia. He's the only student. He's the, what is the point going? There is no students in the class. Does it make any sense? He's the only one who's going to Russia. No, unless five people join me, I am not going. Everybody is learning English here, but I am the only one sitting in a Russian class. What's wrong with you? You are going to Russia. They are not going. So God says, why are you looking at everybody? They are not going anywhere. You are going to the place where the kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. You seek. That's a living hope. That's why I said faith here matters. Then a hope is living. Why do you live in peace? You you go to accept it. And verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Why did they do this? They have been begotten into a living hope. What are they learning? What is apostles' doctrine? How do kingdom people live on earth? And how do kingdom people prepare for the kingdom that is coming? And second, how do kingdom people live together? You are a family. You're a family. You're a family. Hebrews 10. 
or let's have Romans 5. Uh, I gave you Romans 15, right? Let's look at Romans 15. Yeah, Romans 15. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That through the script, through the patience and the comfort of scriptures, we might have what? He said, you look in the scripture. And why do you do it? So that you may have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. That you may be with one mind, one mouth, glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also lived us to the glory of God. We're not getting what he's talking about. See, scripture says, I think it's, I gave you later. Pursue peace with all men and holiness with God. Okay. Now, why do Christians pursue peace? Simple reason is that in heaven you cannot fight with each other. You're learning to live in heaven. There's no fighting. There's no conflict in heaven. God says, learn to live in peace. Accepting one another. That is why immediately after doctrine, fellowship is put. Fellowship is put. What is the purpose of fellowship? You learn to love one another, accept one another with your weaknesses, strengths, and try to help one another, encourage one another. You know, what is God is talking about? You, and we will say, but how can people live like that? This is before he was saved, he was Dalit. Now he's sitting with the Brahmin. Both are saved, sitting together, fellowshipping together. And that's why Paul had an issue with Peter. They're all living together. They're all helping each other. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. How they, what is the reason? They're preparing for heaven. If your hope is living, this is how life is going to be there on in heaven, then you live that by faith on earth. That's why God is talking about you look here, there is no racism here. There are two people from Africa, one from US, and the rest of us India, Asians, Africans, Americans. Is there anything? Do we even look at each other's color? I think we both our African brothers are more popular in the church than the Indians. <laughs> there is no race here. You know why? Because we are trying to live together as a family who will live together there. You know what God is trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see God. Why do we pursue, pursue these things? Let's read verse 13 of Romans 15. <clears throat> now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. See, when you read the scriptures... And you see, it's basically like somebody who said about Bible. Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. When you read Bible, you are not preparing for this world. You are preparing for the world that is coming. Bible is the manual to prepare for heaven. So earth may not like you. But hell, heaven loves you. It's waiting to welcome you. Heaven, earth hated Stephen and stoned him. Heaven opened its portals and stood up to receive him. Okay, so that's what he's talking about. When you read scripture, oh, who can? No, you're preparing for another place. You're preparing for another place. Like I said about Peter's example, you go alone to the Russian class. You sit with the tutor. You, it's, you're not worried. You know what? You're preparing for another place. That's what I'm talking. About. And you know what happened? Then your hope, the God of hope, will fill you with all joy and peace in believing is now. Faith is now. 
that you may abound in hope. The more you walk in faith, the more you are being confirmed to a life in heaven, on earth, your hope is rising. Your hope is rising. Otherwise, we'll be always a misfit when we reach heaven, not here. If fit in earth so well, we'll be a misfit in heaven. Okay? Are we getting the picture? Or are we losing it? Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and You see, that's only heaven will be full of love and good works. Do you believe heaven is a place of love? God says start loving each other here. Do you think heaven will be only good works and no bad works? He says do it here. And what? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another so much more as you see the what is the day approaching when you get, get entry into heaven? If your hope is living, you don't stop gathering on earth. The church becomes your focus. You know what? This is basic training. To live in heaven. Gather. Encourage each other. You know what? We are all going home. We are all going home. We are all going home. You know what? I am helping you to fit into heaven. You are helping you to fit into it. We are smoothening our rough edges. From doctrine which is theory to fellowship which is practical. What are we doing with each other? We are preparing for a life in heaven. Life in heaven. And God says don't stop forsaking yourself. That's why this online thing is not good. You need to come. You need to ask. Can I come? No. We'll make space. Don't worry about space. We'll make space. We are Indians. We are used to sitting on the floor. Oh. I mean, even we all travel in India. Adjust Corona, yaar. Adjust Corona. No. Second day is supposed to be with two people. Six people will be sitting. Adjust kare. You have paid through your nose and wondering where are these for. Adjust na thora hai na. Adjust kare. We are the people who know how to adjust very well. So don't forsake assembling together. We can adjust into any setting. So I've said this in the old days. Honestly, in the old days when I was ministering those days in the underground church, it used to be packed. And there was not room. I used to stand like this between the doorway. One room here, one room packed on both sides and preach like this. Because we knew how to adjust. Adjust. And God says, do not. Why do we do that? Because our hope is living. We will not stop gathering if you realize I am prepared. Let us like use the same example, okay? He's got 60 classes to prepare to go for a five-year course in Russia. Sixty classes. Will he miss any? Not miss. Sixty classes. Sixty classes, paid the fees, and teacher is there. Student doesn't come. Where are you? God says, do you have this much time on earth to prepare for heaven? Don't forsake. You're assembling. Especially what? Okay. Then now he's got sixty classes, fifty is over. Now he's got only two weeks left to go to Russia. The teacher will say, you know what? You've got only ten more classes, but I will fill you more. I'll take extra classes because to fit you for Russia. That's what, as you see the day approaching, more and more and more and more. Why? Okay, getting ready to go home. Don't think I'm getting ready to die. No, go home. Go home. A place where you, this after five years, Russia will tell, go back. But this you're going to be there forever. And it's your everlasting home. 
unless we start looking at life completely different, we will not get it. Okay, that's why I like this setting. Don't worry about time. No, exams, people are automatically being passed. No, don't worry about exams, studies, food. We don't have to worry about anything. God has created a nice ambience for God's people. We should be celebrating COVID. Not the disease, but the restrictions. No school, work from home. Hmm? Yeah, work from Can you imagine, I mean, what COVID has done? There are three kinds of people. One, those who don't work. Second, those who work from home. And the third category is those who work from the church office. <laughs> they come, they listen to the word and work. I'm, I don't think it happens anywhere else. I think it's only GTC Hyderabad. They work from the church office while listening to the word. Before COVID came, did we know these things were possible? So, relax. When we go through these fiery trials, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Powerful verses. Not only this, we also exult in our tribulations. Exult means to not ordinary. It is like the when Sachin used to hit the chakka. I still watch. I still watch. Yesterday also I watched. <laughs> Honest confession. I don't watch any other cricketer. No cricketer I watch. Only the only sportsman I watch. Two people I watch. One of rarely, but Sachin definitely. And Maradona's match against England. Hand of God and the other one. These two I watch. Okay, and you were all not, most of you were not even born. I watched it live. Okay, it's good to be old. Can you name any good footballer? We watched the great ones. You will say Messi, he's a Messi. (laughs) (laughs) Not only this, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. Proven character. That is why I said, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Hope doesn't come that way. It comes through proven character. You walk by faith and you walk by faith. You walk by faith. You walk by faith. The scoping, the mocking, the people who oppose you, the the accusations and the fiery trials, but you don't give up. You know what? Your hope starts growing. Because the God of hope, that is why it is written about Joseph, God was with him. Because he's living by faith. And he has not losing his hope. Because the God of hope is with him and he knows it is to come to pass. He doesn't know how he's going to reign. He hasn't forgotten his dream. He has not forgotten his prophecy. So it's a person. We have, po- we have hope in a person. We have hope in a place. And what is the place? Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16. Look at all these people. These all died in, in faith. Not having received the promises. They died in faith. Hoping. But still did not receive. What does it mean? If your hope is living, you have to die in faith. You didn't receive anything. What were they looking for? They are looking forward to something. They didn't receive. But they still walked by faith. And they died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them far off. were assured of them. Absolutely sure. How did you get sure? Because the more you walk by faith, your hope becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. People are not, their hope is very weak because they're not walking by faith. And even if they use faith, they use faith for temporal things. They don't use for um, eternal things. Daniel, when he's making a choice, it is not for temporal things. It's for an eternal thing. He purposed in his heart. What has got to do with the temporal? It's got to do with the eternal. When Joseph makes a decision of faith, it is nothing to do with the temporal. It's got to do with the eternal. 
We use faith because we have been taught, which is true, but it's a fraction. Name it, claim it, and all that is temporal. We're using faith for the temporal without using faith to live for the eternal. If you use faith to live for the eternal, our hope becomes rock solid. And we have that song. Nothing. But Jesus, that hope. No, that's just, I'm not a hymn, I'm not a hymnist, whatever it is, okay? But having seen them far off, we're assured of them, embrace them, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. When you walk by faith, if your, if your hope is living, what is your confession? Inside, you don't have to open your mouth and say, you look like a stranger here. I'm okay. I'm good. What I have, I'm content. I have a house? Thank you, Lord. I don't have a house? Thank you, Lord. Because I know anyway I have a house there. <laughs> I don't have too many clothes. I'm good there. I know I'll be robed in glory there. I'm good, Lord. I don't have a vehicle here. I'm good, Lord. I know I'll fly there. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You don't have much gold here. It's fine. I'll walk on it one day, Lord. I'm good. That's what he's talking about. They confessed. They were strangers and pilgrims. On what does it mean? Strangers and pilgrims to the earth means they were strangers to the ways of the world, and they traveled light. Pilgrims means they travel light. Pilgrims always travel light because they know they're going and they're going back home. They don't care. They don't take a truckload of stuff with them. If you have to see in Hyderabad, those who go to Shabrimala, two coconuts and one bag. He's not going to live in Shabrimala. They'll chase him out of that place. He goes there for one day and he comes back. That's what God says, strangers. I'm strangers to the ways of the world. And I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through. For those who say such things, declare plainly. Say such things meaning the people who live like that. It's not about talking about. Who live like that are declaring to the world, we are seeking a homeland. Seeking a homeland. And what does the next word says? And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. This is their hope. That's how they lived. And poor people when they lived like that. They did not have any clue what they were called to live like that. But they lived as examples for us. So when we read the scriptures. We get this strength. You know what? Those people lived for something that was temporary. They were an example for us. But we have a living hope. We have been begotten into a living hope. Yesterday we had a question about marriage. Somebody wrote from North India. I have no desire to get married. Could you give me a scripture? And the Bible says, scripture is there for you too. What big deal if you don't get married? Because of this day, the Lord is coming through fiery trials. Why do you want to get married? Get married and add to your troubles. When you're single itself, is enough trouble. When you add it, you're doubling your trouble. You get double for the trouble. That's what the Bible is talking about. So you have to, I'm not saying you shouldn't get, he said, if you marry, you'd have innocent. If you'd have been married, you have innocent. Why is it possible for people in the new covenant say, I'm not married? And Paul says, I wish everybody was like me. And he's a bachelor. Why? Because they're looking at heaven. Why? He knows the Lord said there is no marriage in heaven. You're not going to get married in heaven. So why are you so gung-ho about getting married or not? If you get married, it's well, it's okay. You haven't sinned or anything. But don't make that into your idol. Don't make it into your idol. Now they desire a, a better, a heavenly country. These are powerful, powerful verses. 
And verse 8, let's finish. It's very hot outside, so I'm not releasing you. Whom having not seen you, love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing. You rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory. You love without seeing. Have you seen him? No. But you love. Not having seen him, you love. This is our problem. This is where the world fools us. The world fools us because the world is based on sight. Based on sight. When in the world says you love something or somebody, usually it means the outside. Means the outside. It's got nothing to do with the person. It's got to do with the outside. Oh, I love him. Oh, he's such a tall and dark and handsome. Oh, she, I love her. Basically means she's good looking. That's what they mean. I love that car. Did you drive it? No. I like the looks. It's all outward. Oh, I love biryani. Did it make you godly? No, it gave me gas. <laughs> Think about the way the world, the world, <laughs> honestly, if you have to cut it down, you will realize the world says love. It has no meaning at all. Meaning at all. Meaning at all. You know? I mean, honestly, those who are very, very careful about it, they say, hey, I, um, do you like this food? They will say, give me, tell me the ingredients. Tell me the ingredients. I'll tell you whether I love it or not. And they look at it and say, yeah, it tastes good, but it's not good for me. I don't love it. I don't love it. I may like it, but I won't love it. I won't love it. You know, but if I love it, that's why Jesus says, do not love the world or the things in the world. He didn't say don't like it. You can like it, yeah, but you don't love it. Once you have loved something, your devotions have changed. The problem is that we love things by looking at the outward and not at the inside. Inside is the real thing, the real person. The real person. So I don't have to see Jesus. I see the person portrayed through the books of the Bible. And you know what? You love that person. That's why everybody has a dream husband and a dream wife. And when you get married, you meet reality. Rubber hits the ground. (laughs) And it makes a screeching sound and there is smoke and fire. Sometimes brimstone also. (laughs) But you have a dream. Everybody has a dream. A dream husband and a dream. Where did this dream come from? It's a reality, which is in heaven. It was Plato who said it. For everything you find or not, it's just a copy. The real thing is, there is a seat here, there is a chair here. These are all copies. There's a real chair in heaven. That's the reality. This is all copies. So we have something in our mind. You know what? There's a real person. This person is like that. A woman thinks about, you know, I want to marry a man like that. You know what? who that man is? It's Jesus. Without having seen you love him. You love him. Even if you want to go a little outward. He's tall and handsome. They don't look closely into his eyes. There is fire there. Okay. You love him. The person you love him. Though you do not see him. Yet believing. You rejoice with joy. Think about it. Now who can I pick here? I'll pick Akila. I'll pick Akila. She's unmarried young girl sitting. Or should I pick Peter? Okay, I should pick Akila. Okay. Think about. Okay. How do you put across in the worldly terms? Let let us say, I don't know movies. Who is the who is the current hero in Telugu land? 
None. Okay, there are no heroes. Okay. Imagine she's a, she's a good kid. Okay. Let's imagine she's a worldly kid. And there is this Tamil or sorry, Telugu superstar, young guy, good looking, handsome, everything. And she says, Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And then one day she gets a call. It's him. You know, her heart meets, heart misses many beats. They say in English, no, knees became like a rubber, heart came to the mouth. All kind of these things. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy. Imagine one day you get a call from heaven, Jesus says, I love you. I love you. This is the prince of heaven. And he actually means it. It's not like any man's word on earth or any woman's word on earth. He actually means it. And he says, you know what? I will never change my love for you. Never, ever. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it is true. That's why you're believing you rejoice with joy. Inexpressible. Meaning, you know what? You don't have words. That's what happens with the boyfriend and girlfriend. After some time, silence comes because they run out of words. If you look at, you see, if you look at young people who quote for a long time, the ears are very small because when they're quoting, they eat the other one's ears off. <laughs> After some time, they have no more words to express. That's what I'm saying. Inexpressible. You don't know what to say. What to say? That's what I do. No one. What to say? I mean, imagine this is a person you dreamt about everything and then suddenly you run him, run into that person and he says, hey, who are you? You're the girl I was looking for. <laughs> what did you say? You collapse. That's exactly. You don't know what to say. <laughs> you simply do not know what to say. Jesus comes and the Prince of Heaven comes and says, you know what? I love you and you're the one I was looking for. Inexpressible. Full. This is how the saints lived. This was real for them. This was real, real for them. You know? And that's why in First Corinthians 16 and uh, verse 22, I gave it later, earlier, right? I gave it to you. 16.22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be. So Lord, come. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Anyone. Does not love Jesus. I mean, everybody has a dream to get married to this dream man or dream girl. And this is a man. The church is a woman. This is the man. And you don't love this man. What's wrong with you? You're going after these fake models where the real thing is looking out for you. Be cursed. Accursed. Not having seen him, you love him. We do not see him. Yet believing, we rejoice. Inexorable, full of glory. Full of glory. Inexorable, full of glory. What does it mean? Why do we praise and worship? Why do we praise and worship? Because our bridegroom is full of glory. We are declaring the glory of our man. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul. But actually, if you look at the words of in the Bible, they don't do justice to him. It's impossible. <laughs> To justice to this person. The creator who created everything and the creation using created things to glorify him. It's, it's impossible. It is impossible. And verse 9. 
What do we receive? Oh, we receive the end of your faith. What is that? The salvation of your souls. You can receive it now. You don't have to wait till then. Your soul is saved. Soul is saved from this world. The desires of this world. The ways of this world. The patterns of this world. It is saved. While you are living. That's Paul. If you look at your soul untouched. Completely detached from the world. You know the soul is entirely attached with Christ. That's what he's talking about. We receive the end. The soul is saved to the uttermost. And all you want to do is go home. Look at Second Peter 1.14, what Peter says. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Do you see what he's saying? I want to exchange this tent for a mansion. I want to get rid of this body. I just Lord. This is the groaning. Because now you understand what heaven is. You know what heaven is and what God is and what all he has for you. You realize you are trapped in a prison. Your soul, just saved soul, which is meant for heaven, is trapped in this stupid thing called this body. Limits you in every way. Gives you testings and temptations and trials every day. So the cry of the saints for eternity was the Lord, if my work is over, can you take me home? But if you want me to work here, your will done, it's not done, it's fine. But the heart is in heaven. That's what Paul says. If you have been raised up with Christ Jesus, keep your minds on things that are above. That becomes a living hope. Faith and hope. Do we have hope? You see, this, the word is not the same. Please understand this, because like I said, the problem is the word that you use in the church is the word that you use in the world, but the meaning is not the same. In the world, when you say hope, there is no certainty. I hope to pass my exam. I hope to get a job. I hope to get married. I hope to have children. It's not certain. But in the Bible, that's not. Hope is absolutely certain. Absolutely certain. So the meaning is not the same. We don't use it the same. When they're talking about a living hope, the God of hope, meaning is absolutely certain. There's no uncertainty. It's sure, absolutely, 100%. That's why by faith, they forsook everything. They lived like aliens, because their hope was absolutely 100%. I lose here, I gain there. It was sure. It was not maybe. It's sure. That's the difference. There's a difference. Hmm? So you don't say, I hope I am saved. No, you are saved. I hope I'll get a mansion. No, Jesus said, I'll get you. You will have a mansion. It's not based on you. It's, it's on based on what he has said. And God is not a man that he should lie. Okay. So the people, as we close, winding up, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. Three kinds of people. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. We had no hope. Until we came to Christ and Christ came to us, we were people without any hope. People without hope. Israel had hope because they had a covenant. Gentiles had no hope, no covenant. They always had hope. 
Because life without hope is misery. And God knows that because God is a God of hope. So you know the first thing he does after man has fallen? Genesis 3.50 I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You know what he said? He gave them hope. He gave them hope. A day is coming. You will be redeemed. You will be redeemed. He gave them hope. So even before they are in the fallen, they sent out of the garden, what does he birth in man? He births hope of salvation. Redeemer will come. Because life without hope is miserable. That is what Israel is different. The hope, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel comes. There are people of covenant. There are people of hope. So God is giving them the law and says, you know what? You don't live like the others. You don't follow their gods. You don't act like them because you shall be a sign, a witness to the whole world. You are a people of hope. A living hope. And when we were Gentiles, we were without hope, without God. Separated from the commonwealth of Israel, the only set of people who were had hope. And the Messiah would come through them. So uh, what are we? Are we people without a hope? Because the gospel is the gospel of hope. So three kinds of people. First, the Gentiles who have no hope. That's why we preach the gospel to them and we risk our lives to preach the gospel to them so they too may have a living hope. The second set of people is like the man who built the house on the sand. It looks very nice house. But when the storm came, the storm came, the flood waters rose, he just, house just crumbled. It's not that they don't have hope, their hope is false. Hope is false. If you put your trust in your works, your hope is false. If you put your trust in religion, your hope is false. You may not know it, but one day you will wake up when you die and realize your hope was, not that you did not have hope, your hope was false. Romans 3.20. Did I give it? No? Yeah, Romans 3.20 and Galatians 2.16. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. What does it mean? Take any religion. Any religion. In every religion, there is the law. If there is no law, there is no religion. Sharia, five pillars. Islam, five pillars. Buddhism, seven jewels or eight jewels. Hinduism has its own code. Meaning every religion has its law. And the adherence of every religion follows the law. That is why people come and ask Christians, what is your law? They will say Ten Commandments. But Ten Commandments is not our law. That's the Old Covenant. But there is no law in the New Covenant. Nobody can pin down any law. So then they will say a sermon on the mount. Sermon on the mount are not laws. They are blessings. <laughs> in the New Covenant, there is no law. There is only one law. Two law. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the only law. The law of love. There's no law here. Because law, by law, nobody is justified. So you put your trust in religion, whatever religion it is, even if it's a Christianity, a Catholicism, a Protestant, whatever it is, if you are seeing it as keeping something, your hope is false. Once that you have people who have no hope, Second set, you have people who have false hope. 
you put your trust in religion and doing the works of religion. Your hope is false. The rude awakening on the day of death. Very rude awakening. Rude awakening. And God says, no, there's false hope. Sorry, it's, it's hopelessness. No hope. There is false hope. Galatians 2.16. Look at it. Therefore, by the deeds of the law. No, 2.16. Yeah, exactly the one you showed. Knowing that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too, having put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not observing the law. Look at that. By observing the law, no one will be justified. No one will be justified. And if who is saying this? The man who said, according to the law, I am blameless. He says, I just throw it away, consider it all rubbish. I'm just hanging, clinging on to Jesus. Okay, so there is no hope and there is false hope. Okay, false hope. Our hope should be real. Hope should be real. Our pursuit, anything that we pursue should be real. It should be real. At the end of it, there should be something that is real. That is why you look at Ecclesiastic 1.18. For in so much wisdom there is much grief. Why so much? Wisdom should not bring grief. But where there is no fear of God, wisdom acquired without fear of God will bring grief. Because there is no God there. There is no God there. There is no God there. Solomon realized in much wisdom there is such grief. Is it true? Yes, I know. If the wisdom is acquired without the fear of God, it brings much grief. What is the name of that? Uh, Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was one of the greatest of his time, all time. Wise man, great man. We know him as a scientist, but he was a biblical scholar. Not grief, no grief. You know why? Much wisdom gained through fear of God. In his old age, he had all his paper, everything on his table, all the years of work. You know, these are scientists and scholars. Eschatology on one side, science on one side. This is what he's doing. And he's got a little dog called Diamond. And those days, no electricity. So he's got a lamp. Diamond came and he was not in the study. Diamond came and knocked over the kerosene lamp or whatever lamp. The whole library went in flames. What would you do? Depress, discourage everything. You know what Newton said? Diamond, diamond, what did you do? That's all. No grief. No grief. You know why? Because that wisdom he acquired was by the fear of God. So he knows my paperwork can be destroyed, but there is an eternity coming. Everything will be restored. Everything will be restored. Cannot lo- what God has given cannot be lost. Fire cannot take it. Thieves cannot steal it. Rust cannot take it. Moth cannot take it. What I have acquired is of God. He has given it. Well, look at this man. Grief. You know why? That's why I said whatever we pursue, our hope should be real. It should not be a false hope. If you do some work, be very sure at the end of the day you have a hope for that work. One day when I stand before God, that work will be counted. It's a, otherwise it's a false hope. No? And Catholicism sadly is built on false of all built on works. They added works. No. Bible says we have saved unto good works. Which are the works which God tells us to do. So you can have hope 
no hope. You can have false hope. And then there is true hope. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope. Blessed hope. And the glory, both are put together. The way you live here on faith, you're looking to that blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our Lord, great, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. Then, Remind them to be subject to rulers, authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all. Why do we do all these things? Reason? I didn't give you? Verse 7? Yeah, 3, 7. Look, 3, 7. Yeah. 3, 7. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the of eternal life. That's how hope is brought over there. So as we close, one final verse, First Peter 3.50. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So the question is, do you have an answer for the hope? Do you have an answer? Why do we do the things we do? There's a living faith and there is a living hope. Why do you do the things you do? We need to ask. When you live by faith, when you actually live by faith, people will ask, why do you do the things you do? And you should be answered. You know why do you do the things you do by faith? Because you have a hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. Abraham why are you living in a tent? Because God is building a city for me. Moses, why have you given up the treasures of Egypt? Because I have seen the invisible one. (laughs) Noah, why are you building an ark? Because judgment is coming. Have you seen? No. Do you know what rain is? No. I don't even know what it looks like or sounds like. So when we live by faith, and we genuinely live by faith, it's because we have hope. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. It's the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? I got a mansion in heaven. I'm going to live forever and ever there. And I'm going to live in a community of people with whom I will always have to live in peace. So, and God is holy. God is my father. He is holy. And I have to live with people in peace. You know what? I am pursuing holiness here. And I am living with peace as far as possible within me to live in peace with everybody. You know, why are you doing this? Because my hope is real. I am going to a place where this is important. Have a home in? A home in glory land. Can you have give a reason for your hope? Is the question asking. Anybody ask you with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. 
don't be self-righteous. Meekness and fear. You know what? I'm going home. That's why I'm living like this. And that is how they looked, like aliens, like pilgrims, you know, and they were living, you know. So Abraham did not fight anybody. He only fought five kings because they took his nephew captive. Isaac did not fight with anybody. Man of peace. Getting the picture? Why are you living in peace? You got an army, you got all the, you can come, sub, kabza kar sakte. I won't. Because I don't know. I am a symbol for the people to come. Love and peace. If you cannot live in peace here, what are you going to do? Heaven will be, who will you fight with there? Who will you fight with there? If you don't pursue holiness here, that's Hebrews, uh, this, you know, 12, 14, no? If you don't pursue holiness here, how will you live in heaven? You have to at least get used to the atmosphere, right? Hmm? Oh, we're going to songs. Okay. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So keep this in mind. If people were to ask you the reason for your hope, when will they ask you? When they see you living by faith. When they start seeing living by faith. And faith makes those decisions. Very, very important decisions. Right from the beginning you see the decisions made by people of faith. And if you ask them, why do you live like this? When you can live the other way, why do you live like this? The reason you say is, because my hope is living. I know where I am going. And I know to whom I am. Why do you pursue holiness? Because my father is holy. And I'm going to live with him forever. Why are you pursuing peace with everybody? Because the peace of God will flow like a river there. Why do you seek righteousness? Because the scepter of his kingdom is right. It's got nothing to do with this world. It's nothing to do with this world. It's got to do with where we are going to live forever. Because everything here is temporary. That's why the Bible says the world and its desires will pass away. But he who does the will of God lives for ever and ever. Come Peter, let us sing. Which song shall we sing? Oh, I shall have got a home. That was one of the, my early first days in salvation. We used to sing that. I got a home in glory land. That outshines the sun. When my, our kids, my kids were small, we used to sing that song almost every week.
We do not even have to sing, O oh Lord, do remember me. For your word says the thoughts that you have towards us cannot be counted. For you have engraved our names, the palms of your hand. The hairs on our head are counted. Every detail of our life was written in the volume of your book. And that knowledge is too great for us. Your word says the beloved of the Lord rides upon his shoulders. Therefore, Lord, we too can say, without seeing you, we have loved you. Because in everybody's heart, man or woman, there is this picture of this ideal person. And one day when we see you face to face, we will know you were that person. Therefore, now, Without seeing, we love you. Because that person lives in us. That idea. The one who loves with an everlasting love. The one who is always kind and tender. And even when he is tough, it is because he loves us. When he disciplines us, because he loves us. Who is righteous to us in all his ways. Who wants to wash us, cleanse us, make us spotless without blemish so that he can take us for himself. And he went through all that pain, the suffering, the whiplashing, the cross, the humiliation, the shame so that we could, he could just have us. Because there was no other way that we could have a home in glory land. It was not possible. Even all of Israel that was saved was shut in paradise for death had power over them. They couldn't go to glory land until he had gone through the cross. We can sing I got a home in glory land because of the cross because of the resurrection. So it does not matter what we lose on earth. Because we got an inheritance reserved in heaven. And nobody can touch it. Nothing will spoil it. It will never fade. It's incorruptible. And I pray, Father, we as your church will truly, truly walk by faith. Occupy till you come. Fight this good fight of faith. But our hope is in the city that God is building. Our desire, ultimate desire, is to live with you. Yes, we have a home, but we also have a family where God is the Father. Help us to think of the things that are above. Then these fiery trials, yes, there is grief, there is pain. But we rejoice in it. We rejoice in it. We rejoice in it. Because we know it's momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that waits for your children. Forever and ever. They shall live with Him forever and ever. No pain, no sorrow, no grief. 
no sickness no conflict no shame no guilt no condemnation through the resurrection you have shown us the way of life and there is joy at your right hand and pleasures forevermore therefore we give up things easily on earth because we know what is kept for us lord help lord help help us help us to keep our hearts stayed on you our minds stayed on you while we live our life on earth by faith and then when we live that life we please you you are able to say that's my beloved son that's my beloved daughter in whom i am well pleased thank you father for begetting us into a living hope we are not people without hope we are not people with false hope we want to be people with a living hope the christ in us the hope of our glory thank you thank you father thank you i speak your healing i speak your peace i speak your strength into everyone be healed in jesus name be made whole in jesus name and be at rest for he's got everything in his hands thank you father as we go into another week may your presence go before us and may your presence go with us thank you lord we praise you we worship you we glorify you lord for in jesus name we pray amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen